from 99.9 The Fan. This is The Drive with Tim Donnelly. Sponsored by Coach Pete at Capital Financial Advisory Group. Visit us at CapitalFinancialUSA.com. Jumpman, 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 them boys up to something. They just spent like two or three. Jumpman, them boys up to something. That sounds like Draymond Green <laughs> and LeBron James out yeah. the country together hanging out in Paris. Huh. And Draymond Green just opted out of his uh, player option yesterday for the hmm. uh, Golden State Warriors. Who does he punch first? I don't know is if he's punching Russell. I don't know if he's going to punch anybody there because LeBron James is, uh, you know, they're going to be hugging each other too much for him to have a free hand to hey. punch anybody. They love each other. LeBron James and Draymond Green love. I mean, each that's other. fine, but you know, that's that's the next bromance I mean, in, the, in the NBA. I, I mean, I thought that the Golden State Warriors all loved each other, but we saw what happened there. Uh, well, Draymond has always been kind of uh, the person that's going to get under people's skin. Mm-hmm. Um. You know, and Stephen A. Smith and uh, other folks have kind of reported that after uh, Jordan Poole got his money, which he got paid last year, mm-hmm. um, started acting different. Yeah. And that other people felt it too. So even though Draymond was the one who punched him, yeah, the feeling from other people were like, probably would have done that too. Yeah. <laughs> According to those reports. Well, yes. Of course, we're not there. We don't know. But- a lot of crazy things happening with the storylines in the NBA right now. I tell you, it's seriously, it's like a WWE storyline creative team, the amount of yeah. drama and stuff that comes down. But I mentioned Bam Adebayo, who's from North Carolina. Shout out to Washington, North Carolina. Played at Kentucky. Was just in the NBA Finals for a second time with the Miami Heat as their starting center. Their second best player, I'd say, right behind Jimmy Butler. Why would they trade him? I'm sorry. Last time I checked, the Miami Heat need players, need stars. Let's hit the music. Let's get okay, into let's, it. Yeah, let's get into this. All right, so let's talk about this. We'll, we'll go to this first, and we'll go to the other thing after mm-hmm. that. All right, so Portland has the number three overall pick right okay. now. Okay. There is a chance that Portland may trade it. They really don't want to. But if they do trade it, if Damian Lillard does not want to be with the Portland Trailblazers, and he hasn't publicly said that he doesn't want to be there, but if that is something that ends up happening, then a trade partner and a likely destination could be Miami. Well, who would the Portland Trailblazers want in return for Damian Lillard? Hmm. Another all-star caliber player. Yeah. And for them, they uh, – haven't been really good the last couple years in the middle when it comes down to their defense. So if you're going to trade Damian Lillard away and possibly pick up another big-time guard uh, in the draft, then you might need somebody like a Bam Adebayo. So there are reports out there that if if the Portland Trailblazers decide to trade that third overall pick uh, and decide to uh, you know trade Damian Lillard along with that to mm-hmm. get something else back – they want Adebayo, and honestly, I don't blame them. No. Now, when it comes down to the Miami Heat, um, it does severely change what you do because Bam Adebayo is a huge part of their offense. He's basically like a point forward. So when you've had injuries to people um, 
like uh, like Tyler Hero, or they had uh, injuries to uh, what's my guy's name that uh, Victor Oladipo. Yo, he's, um, he's been banged up. For years. He's been b- banged up, but he's somebody who can bring the ball up and initiate offense. Yeah. Well, when you don't have him, Bam Adebayo's been doing a lot of that. Yeah. He's been bringing the ball up, basically playing that point forward position, kind of playing like a Draymond Green type of role, mm-hmm. and he's been initiating the offense for the Heat. Um, so, but that's just those are just the reports. Yeah. There's no reports on if Miami would even would even think about that or not. We're he, not sure if they would. He's about to turn 26 years old. His birthday is coming up next month on the 18th. Is Bam Adebayo? So he's about to turn 26. Potentially pair him with a young guy like Scoot Henderson. If, if Scoot Henderson doesn't get drafted at number two overall by the by the Charlotte Hornets, which we'll get into here in just a moment. So yeah, this is a lot of a lot of the NBA, the NBA's future. Stems with the number two overall pick on Thursday night. It really does with the Charlotte Hornets. Like the Charlotte Hornets could really impact the trajectory of a lot of teams in the NBA moving forward for the fact that if they take Scoot Henderson, well, then Portland might not look to trade Dame Lillard because, oh, we could just take Brandon Miller and that's a a wing piece to go along with our top scoring point guard. Or if the Hornets take Brandon Miller, okay, Scoot Henderson, very similar type player, similar position to what Damian Lillard does, then does he get flipped, which again, Bam out of bio yep. or some of these other pieces might get all moved as a result of that. So, yeah, the NBA's future in that regard actually relies a lot on Thursday. I would say the difference between Scoot and Damian Lillard is Scoot is bigger, has a longer wingspan. Mm-hmm. He's six foot two, but has a long wingspan. Forgot what it was, but it's, it's something like six nine or something like that. Way too long for his actual six foot two frame. But also, Damian Lillard is a knockdown shooter. Scoot is not. Yeah. That's probably one of the knocks on his game is that he really is not a shooter like that. So uh, you would also be giving up uh, marksmanship uh, if you if you were to make that trade. Hey, maybe they potentially play together. You don't know. Uh, but who, know, who else do we know is actually going to be potentially part of that deal? You never know. Like, you might have to, might have to include a Tyler Hero. Maybe. Yeah. Which, I mean, especially for if you're going to send Dame Lillard away, you're going to want to try to get as much back as you possible. You want to get a lot back. All right, let's quit that. Let's hit this. I hit it so good. Speaking of that number two overall pick, Chris, yeah. what are the Hornets doing? So the let's talk about this. Let's go back in history. Okay. Do you know the last time the pa- the Carolina uh, Hurricanes uh, the Panthers, the Hurricanes, they need to be called the Carolina Hornets. Oh, my God. They really need to be called oh the Carolina God. Hornets. Because it starts with a C, and I'm looking it at just, it right here over my shoulder. The last time the Charlotte Hornets picked at number two, do you know who they picked? Is it the Michael Kidd Gilchrist? Mm, he wasn't that high. I thought yeah. he was number two. Was he number two? Yeah. Maybe it wasn't the last time, but the okay. first time that they did number two, let's say that, was Alonzo Mourning. Oh, wow. That's a big-time player to get at number two overall. Michael Kidd Gilchrist was number two. He was number mm-hmm. two. Oh, so that was was that technically Bobcats? That was 2012, so yeah. Okay. So, that's so yeah, so the last time the Hornets got... Charlotte Hornets got number two. Yeah. It was Alonzo Mourning. Now we have everything together. Now we do. Communication. It works. Um, so there's a lot of things to to consider right here. Brandon Miller from Alabama is going to be there, six foot nine, wing guy. Um, he is considered a good all-around scorer, but the knock on him is whenever he played other top teams, top 50 teams mm-hmm. um, that Alabama will play, he would kind of disappear a little bit. Yeah. But when Alabama played some of the scrub teams, oh, he was one of the best players out there. So they don't know what he can actually do against big-time talent. Sure. Then Scoot Henderson, you know what he could do against big-time talent. He was playing in the NBA G League this past season, mm-hmm. playing against guys who are either fringe NBA guys or guys who have made it to the NBA and trying to get back there. And he did amazing 
The only thing is, he's not a good shooter, and he's six foot two. And are you going to draft a guy at two, number two overall at six foot two? So there's a lot of things for the for the Hornets to think about. Or, or could you trade out of it? Could you trade out of it? What are you getting? Well, team by the name of the New Orleans Pelicans. Yeah. They have some decisions to make. And we talked about this a couple weeks ago. That it was a rumor that maybe Brandon Ingram would be a part of a deal. Mm-hmm. For the number two overall pick. Because the Pelicans really, really, really want Scoot Henderson. Uh-huh. Then the next day, it was like, maybe Zion. To the Hornets. Well, yeah, Zion. Apparently, they're the Pelicans are open to now to having discussions regarding trades for Zion. Well, apparently, Zion being traded before the draft is now unlikely. Huh. We'll talk about that in just a bit. So the Hornets have so many different options right there at number two. What would you do if you were Mitch Kupchak and Michael Jordan and all the guys down there? I would draft whoever I think the best player is. That's it, it's simple that is as the that. simple answer, that, uh, and but, I love it. But here's the I thing: love it. it's take who if, if you think the best player is Scoot between he and Brandon Miller, take him, take him. Figure you know what, and figure it out later how he and Lamelo Ball will play on the floor together. And you know what, I, I think they that it would work probably because Lamelo has no problem catching and shooting from the outside. But also, I would probably you could also use this will be a little bit untra- non traditional, but uh, Lamelo Ball, six foot seven point guard, Scoot Henderson. Yeah, yeah, he's a tall guy. Uh, uh, Scoot Henderson, six foot two, right? Maybe Scoot Henderson plays the two still, and Lamelo Ball still plays the one, and you could give it to Scoot to to slash and make the plays um, that way. Maybe Lamelo Ball can 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 set up everybody else to get their shots, and then when he's yeah. open, he takes the shot because he's a better shooter than than Scoot Henderson is. I did not realize that Lamelo was six. I thought he was six four. No. I realized he was six seven. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. All right. That's a, that's that's different. That's big a baller. Different. Yeah. Big baller brand. That that's why they call him that. Those are some big guys. All right. Let's quit that. Let's hit this. The ceiling is the roof. All right. So Zion might not get traded to the Charlotte Hornets because again he might not get traded before the draft. Draft is just two days away. But like you said, Brandon Ingram might be on the roof. But yeah. But Zion. Things have just been interesting for that guy over the last few weeks. Let's oh, put it that way. Man, uh, two weeks ago it was funny when Mariah Mills was doing all the tweeting about him. Now it's just like, oh, my God, shut up. Because that's all she's been doing for two weeks. And apparently her account just got suspended on Twitter. Aww. But um, I, there is a report, because before there were reports that Zion could possibly be traded. He was rumored to go to Charlotte, also rumored to go to Portland as well. Uh, if Portland was trying to give up. Uh, that number wanted to give up that uh, number three pick so that Pelicans could get Scoot Henderson potentially, right? Mm-hmm. So uh, right now the report is Zion being traded before the draft is unlikely. So what do the Pelicans do if they really want Scoot Henderson to be there? They might just have to just say like, hey, we're not gonna we have the number fourteen overall pick. We're just not gonna be able to get him. And that's okay. And that's okay. And sometimes. you have CJ McCollum right there, right now. You have CJ McCollum. Uh, you have Brandon Ingram. And here's the thing: uh, Willie Green, the head coach of the New Orleans Pelicans, really loves Brandon Ingram. Brandon Ingram's really loved in that locker room as yeah. well. So that's another reason why reports are starting to come out that maybe Brandon Ingram's not going to go anywhere because New Orleans they just love him too much in that locker room. 
Well, that's another North Carolinian. We talked a lot, a lot of North Carolinians in North Carolina schools. Another North Carolinian. Let's 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 hit this. Damn. Chris Paul agreed to earlier this week that he's going to get sent from the Phoenix Suns to the Washington Wizards, but now there's a possibility the Clippers might get involved. That was something that was reported earlier this week that they might open things up to a third team, a contending team that Chris Paul could potentially get moved to as part of a three-team swap. So Washington would still get a bunch of picks, right. maybe potentially a player or two involved in this as well. So I think Washington is one that really benefits because they're sending Bradley Beal to Phoenix. Yeah, um, and we'll see what ends up happening. There's still a possibility if another team isn't a part of this that the Washington Wizards could just either waive Chris Paul uh, or negotiate a buyout. By June 28th, I believe, is the date. Yep. Uh, Chris Paul will be guaranteed $30 million. So do you want to pay a 38-year-old who probably is going to be a backup this season for somebody, even though it's Chris Paul, one of the best point guards ever to play the game, uh, do you want to pay him that much money? So we'll have to see what ends up happening. Another thing that Chris Paul did. Um, By the way, in, simple answer to that question, no. In his media tour, basically kind of called out Matt Ishbia, the, the owner of the Phoenix Suns, mm-hmm. and also Isaiah Thomas saying that maybe I'm not a part of Ishbia's and Isaiah Thomas's vision for the Suns. Now, why is that something important to think about? Well, Isaiah Thomas is not a part of this front office staff. Yeah. And it's a little bit controversial because the Phoenix Suns have been asked about it because you see Isaiah Thomas around the team so much. He was sitting front row during the playoffs. Is he a part of the team? Is he is, is he a part of this front office staff? And the Suns say, no, he's not. Mm-hmm. The reason why that's important is because, well, the Suns' former owner, Robert Sarver, who just had the team a few months ago, was pushed out because of allegations levied against him and some other things that were happening. Well, what was levied against Isaiah Thomas back in his days with the New York Knicks? There was an $11 million settlement for sexual assault or sexual, uh, I should should say, uh, sexual harassment allegations. Um, So very interesting with that. And then do you want somebody with that background um, to be with your team like that? And and is Matt Ishbia, is he taking all of his advice from that guy and Isaiah Thomas. So, very interesting that Chris Paul would bring that up. Let's quit that. Let's hit this. Bye, Felicia. Keeping things here in the state of North Carolina. Earlier today, Mac Brown, football coach for the UNC Tar Heels, spoke to the media. ACC Media Days is about a month away, about five weeks away. But he hasn't spoke to the media in a while. So, you know what? Let's have a little press conference, all that kind of stuff. So, Mac Brown did talk about scheduling in terms of just not only for UNC, but also for the ACC as well. He's very much against the fact that the ACC, Chris, is going against having divisions anymore. He wanted to keep divisions. But I actually like the fact that there are no more divisions in the ACC. Mac Brown talked about he still doesn't like the layout of the schedule. It's the toughest schedule ever been around. And even the end of the schedule, I didn't like the way it was placed by the conference office. And I said that, and some people whined, and I didn't care. Uh, but I want our players to know, if, you, if you're going to be good, you got to play a good schedule. And it, it's real. It's there. So no excuses. Uh, we won't talk about the schedule anymore, but huh. it is what it is. 
No excuses, Chris. Um, he he kind of he said that he hated the schedule to start off with, and then he ended that saying, "You have to have a tough schedule." Yeah, and no excuses. And, and here's the thing: what is one of the things that people? The thing about the ACC is weekend on a weekend and week out basis. Uh, a lot of folks nationally just don't respect a lot of the matchups. Yeah. So what do you do to try to make that a little bit different? Um, to make the ACC look like the SEC or Big Ten, where every week you have a knockdown, dragout, dogfight between these big time names and these big time teams, you have to change something up. So yes, North Carolina, you're going to have to have a harder looking schedule than what you've had before, so that the ACC can have more national acclaim, and so maybe TV companies will want to pay you more money to have. Your game's on there, mm-hmm. which means more revenue for the ACC, which means yeah. possibly keeping the ACC together. So we're going to need that. So this is, you know, maybe I'm taking that a little too far, but to me, like, this is a step in the right direction. Well, Mac Brown actually talked about why scheduling tougher helps the ACC. For us to get more money, more TV money, we all need to play a tougher schedule to be able to, to draw interest from the, the network to, to pay more money for it. I think we're playing a Big Ten team and an SEC team and um, a, a huge game in this state with Appalachia in our first three games. So uh, we're doing that. And, and I, I do think that uh, that matters to everybody and, and, and to everybody in there was told, you want more money, pick it up. And, and we've all been told we, we've got to do a better job of selling our league with football. There it is. Yeah. I 100% agree, but here's the thing. Don't complain about the end of the season schedule that you have set up. You have Duke, UNC, uh, you have Duke, Clemson, NC State, your last three games. You're at home against Duke. You're at Clemson, and then you're at NC State. Well, That's how you finish out the season. I understand that it's tough, but guess what? You wanted a tough schedule, right? You can't, you can't you can't have it both ways. You can't say, we need to have tough schedules, and they're like, I don't like the layout of the schedule at the end of the season. No, it don't work like that, man. Here's it the, doesn't. Here's the thing. You remember last year, Carolina was on a roll, and all of a sudden they lose their last four games of the season? Yeah. They had that amazing game at Wake Forest, and then they That's didn't right. win anymore That's after that. Right. And part of that was a loss to NC State, and then, of course, it was a loss to Clemson, a loss to Oregon. They ended the season off very not very good last year. I said they lost to Georgia Tech. And also lost to Georgia Tech. No business So here's the thing. As a coach, I get why he doesn't like it. But for your program to grow, now you need to show that you can take that losing streak at the end of the year and Mm -hmm. turn that into a winning streak at the end of the year. And if you do that, that also helps out Drake May because you don't want him to slip in a draft like Sam Howell slipped in a draft when he came out. Yeah. I think it's – We'll, we'll, yeah, we'll see on that, but the measurables are there for Drake. But he actually talked about you talked the, the loss to NC State and such. He actually said never should have gone for the field goal there late against NC State. Should have gone for the touchdown on that fourth and three, which I agree with. I said it the day after, Chris. Yeah. First, I'm like, I, started, I was like, why didn't you go for it? But, hey, that's that's uh, neither here nor there at this time. But that is something he mentioned earlier today. Mac Brown also talked about, again, 
the the money, the revenue aspect of things for the ACC. He talked about the ACC revenue aspect of winning more games and, again, meaning more money for the conference. I don't want to talk about things I don't know enough about, and I, I read it like you did. I heard it briefly at the, the meetings. Uh, that's Bubba's area, not mine, so he he would be better to answer that. I know that uh, it sounded like the more we win, the more money you get, and I'm trying to win all the games, so I'm in. Uh, but I really... I really don't understand the the exact process of how all that works. So Bubba would be much better for that than me. So that's talking about the revenue sharing when it comes to the ACC, about teams that make it to larger bowl games or the yeah. college football playoff, getting more of a share of the revenue generated from those as opposed to an even distribution. Television money is going to be evenly distributed no matter what with the ACC, but they're talking about yeah, if Clemson and if North Carolina or NC State, some of these teams that make a, a college football playoff when the college football playoff expands, well, yeah, they got that far. They should get more cut of the money. Or same thing with the NCAA yeah. tournament, which, you know, if we saw Duke and Carolina make a run to the Final Four a couple years ago, why should Boston College or Georgia Tech have the same amount of money for when UNC and Duke got to a Final Four or Miami made it to a Final Four this past season? Why should they get a share of what they made doing that work? Yeah, I mean, I, I I definitely get all of that. I definitely, I mean, there there are arguments for there are arguments for both sides, um, mm-hmm. and I'm not sure where I land when it comes down to that. Um, I just know that the ACC just needs to figure something else out. Now, I don't know if you guys talked about this last week, but with the possibility of Bally, of course, not having ACC um, anymore this coming yes. year, that potentially opens the door for another network or something to come in to say, hey, we want this ACC package, and maybe that something can be worked out with ESPN where uh, that more money can come from that when it comes down to making more revenue for uh, the conference. We'll see what happens with that, but um, you know, I, I'm just I'm not sure where I land as far as the uneven distribution model or keeping it even. I, I, I understand both sides. This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Carolina Hurricanes might be dealing one of their core players. We saw from Pierre Lebrun of TSN, who's like the equivalent of like an Adam Schefter or something like that in terms of the hockey world, right? Well, Greg Wyshynski of ESPN, who is like a similar type deal, you know, insider when, when it comes to National Hockey League, had an article out on ESPN today about potential moves that really could shake things up in the NHL. He mentioned about how a couple top goaltenders in the league, UC Soros of the Nashville Predators, Connor Halibuck of the Winnipeg Jets, both guys might be potentially on the moves. UC Soros is 28 years old. Halibuck, 30 years old. Halibuck going into the final year of his contract makes just over $6.1 million per year for uh, 
for the Winnipeg Jets, final year of his contract. He poses the idea that, hey, what about Connor Hallibuck to Carolina, to the Canes? Because in the last five Oof. years with Carolina, we've seen a multitude of goaltenders roll through, Oof. right? Peter Morazic. Uh, we've seen Curtis McElwain. James Reimer. James Reimer. Yeah. Uh, Alex Nadelkovich. Yeah. Antti Ranta. Freddie Anderson. Pyotr Kochekov. That's seven goalies in the last five years who have played significant number of games. I'm not going to throw in like an Alex Lyon who may have played a game here or there, things along those lines. I'm talking dudes that have played significant number of games. Yeah. And a lot of them play playoff games as well for Carolina. I think all seven of the guys may play, uh, play playoff games for those guys. Um, that's seven goaltenders that they've used over the last five years who've gotten significant minutes and significant number of starts. They haven't had, like, a true, like, guy, right? Like a true dude. But Carolina, because their defense in front of their goaltending is so good, they haven't needed to have a high-level goaltender like that, right? But could you imagine if they were to shore things up in net with that defense that's in front of them? I don't know. Be pretty hard to beat, but do they need it? So here's the thing when it comes down to that. Watching, going back and, and watching this Florida Panthers series where they lost four to nothing, right? I, I felt a few times that the Canes have everything you want. Mm-hmm. They even have a pretty good. They have two really good goaltenders, mm-hmm. but they don't have that wall. No. And Sergey Bobrovsky, for as bad as he played during the Stanley Cup Final, during the Eastern Conference Final. My guy was a brick wall. Yeah. Even against, could, could not get anything by him. Even against Toronto and then when he came in during the Boston series as well. And to me, when I was looking at that, that's that's the type of guy that you want and that you need on your team. Mm-hmm. And I'm just imagining, let's say we have that same series, but we have a Hallibuck right there yeah. that's behind everybody. And let's say Hallibuck plays to, to Hallibuck level, levels. And nothing gets past them. Yeah. Maybe one or two here or there. Maybe we're talking about a different series, a different outcome for the Carolina Hurricanes, mm-hmm. right? Uh, and, and maybe even we're talking about a different outcome during the regular season for them. Because there there just felt like there were times where, you know, if the defense couldn't get something done, that, you know, as much as I love Freddie Anderson, as much as I love Auntie Ranta, as much as I love Piotr Kachekov. There are times where they could have mental lapses and just let things kind of go. Yeah. And you you just kind of scratching your head like how did how did that goal go? And mm-hmm. some of those goals ended up <laughs> counting towards major wins for the other team. Now, if any of those guys, if all of those guys are coming back, if two of those guys are coming back, if one of those guys are coming back, I will welcome them because I love those guys. Well, Kochekov is under contract, so he's back. I I, w- I would love that. But man, you would want to have a brick wall, and if the if the Hurricanes can do that, along with the current, like they don't even have to get more scores. I mean, you would want to have more scores. I still but, think they need goal scoring. But even if you don't have it, and you just have that guy there, from what you just said, even with the way that they play their defense, man, there will be a lot less, a lot less of those goals scored against them, and it'll make them they'll make them instantly better if they have that brick wall. So Winnipeg's in a similar situation that we talked about yesterday with Brett Pesci. Even Brady Shea is in the final year of his contract as well for Carolina on defense. Connor Hallibuck, final year of his contract 
are you willing to potentially just let him play out this final season and let yeah. him walk in free agency? Yeah. Or you have to extend him even beyond what he might be worth at this moment. So that's a question that Winnipeg has as well. Well, if you're Carolina, if you want to go get a top-end goaltender like him, what are you willing to give up? Maybe this is part of the thing. If you don't agree to that trade or you don't agree to a long-term contract extension with Brady Shea, you just can't come to terms, it happens. It's the business of things. Is he part of that deal? Do you also flip mm. in? You have the draft capital and some young prospects mm. that you can send over to Winnipeg as well. Maybe that's part of it. Or are you willing to part with a forward? Like Martin Natchez has a year left on his contract, but he's a restricted free agent. More value in that than an unrestricted free agent that you're trading. Yeah. Because you have control of those rights. Maybe he comes part of it. But even if you do get that wall, Carolina still has some holes to fill. That's true. They still have some holes to fill. Because as of right now, they're top five defensemen are coming back. But if you trade off Brady Shea, you still need to find three more defensemen. You need to find five, six, and seven. Because guys get hurt. It happens. Yeah. Now, some of those guys might be internal, like Maxime Lajoie. Might be similar to what we saw with Jalen Chatfield. Middle, middle, mid-age 20s, middle 20s in terms of age. I think he's 25, but might be NHL ready now. But goal scoring is the big thing that they need, right? You have to get goal scoring if you're Carolina because we saw that lack of that true dominant goal scorer in the Eastern Conference Finals and how things came to a head in that, in that series. Now, I understand that Sveshnikov and some of these other guys were hurt, but even before that, I still thought they needed to get a top-end scorer. Let me ask you this. This might make you roll your eyes at me. Okay. Yes, he pulled your RV. No. I know, I know that. Bye. Hold on. Hold on. I know that he did not perform at a high level um, before as the season was kind of coming to an end. Uh-huh. Do you think that with uh, with the right development mm. and the and and being patient enough, he can become that forward that you need because he was a highly drafted, highly touted player. Yeah. when he was young, I know. Can he grow to to fill those expectations? Nope. You don't think so? Nope. Not at all. Nope. I just did not see it any time he was on the ice. No. Now, if I put okay. Seth Jarvis's skill and guess a pull Yarvi's body, I have a stud. <laughs> In all honesty, but no, he's going to be gone. I know he's a restricted free agent, but he didn't do anything. There's a reason why Mackenzie McEachern was playing. In the playoffs, I, I guess I, I get Yarvi was a healthy scratch. No, I, I absolutely get that. But no, that but, ain't. But happening. also, just like sometimes. Like you know, we we see it with uh, in basketball, other sports. You may have a guy like um, a Moses Moody or you know a Jonathan Kaminga, and they may not be playing down the stretch in big time uh, playoff games, but you believe in what they can bring you once they develop down the line. Yeah. So I, I just didn't know if maybe maybe you potentially saw that. Maybe he can end up being that guy that you that he was expected to be. Uh, that was like a that was like a raffle ticket. That's really what that was. Like, hey, you know what? Five bucks. You know, I'll get this raffle ticket. I might win something big here, but, not, you know, it's fine. It's five bucks. That's what that was. He you was a raffle, a ticket. raffle ticket. He was oh a raffle ticket. Well, some people say scratch-off ticket. But that's really it. So, no, he's not coming back. But I'd be intrigued to see what Carolina does do in terms of in net. Piotr Krachekov's the only guy under contract. Freddie Anderson, he was good in the play. He was actually great in the playoffs. Yeah, he was. But he's been nicked up a lot. Yeah. Nicked up a ton. He missed the playoffs all last year yeah. due to injury. Can you rely on that again? Same thing with Auntie Ranta. Up there in age as well. 
He's really good, but again, the injury history for these guys is just, uh, I don't know. I just don't know. Uh, but yeah, Connor Hallibuck, I'd entertain the offer. This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.